You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Charlotte Ellers was on a quest to reduce the amount of plastic her family was using, and their kitchen was the logical place to start. So she created her own beeswax food wraps as an alternative to single-use plastic wraps. After gifting her creations to friends and family, word spread and demand increased, so she decided to take the leap and make it official. Naming her company after her three kids and her key ingredient, Lee B was born. Here's my chat with Charlotte Ellers. Who are you and what do you make for a living? My name is Charlotte and I make beeswax food wraps, which if you don't know what that is, sounds really strange. Um, But basically it's a natural alternative to plastic wrap. So the product itself is a cotton fabric at the base. And then I melt down Manitoba made beeswax, tree resin and jojoba oil. And I infuse it into the fabric with a heat process. And then you use that for wrapping food, covering bowls, anywhere you would use saran wrap, basically. So I have to ask, how in the world did you get into doing this? (laughs) Great question. It's a bit of a, a niche product, I suppose. So basically, I have been on a journey to live more authentically with my values and more in line with uh, the environment and sustainability. And plastic wrap just seemed like a really easy thing to get rid of, or an obvious thing anyway. And uh, so I just kind of tried random things, glass boxes with lids. Unfortunately, they still have plastic lids. You know, I'd put my leftovers in the fridge in a bowl with a plate on top to cover them. And I just, I didn't know what to do if not plastic wrap. So I kept on the hunt and I found uh, at a health food store some beeswax food wraps and I thought well I don't know how fabric will work but I'll give it a try because I was pretty eager to find a solution and uh, they worked fabulously so um, I wanted a few more and I did what a lot of people here in Manitoba do which is I'm just going to make it myself (laughs) (laughs) so I made a few more for myself just found you know some ingredients and whatever just tried it out and uh, I'm a homeschool mom so we enjoy digging into product projects and trying to make things ourselves from bread to kombucha to well these beeswax food wraps for example so uh yeah as a as a family we started making them just for gifts for friends and family and then more and more people started wanting them and uh it's kind of grown from there explain to me what the process is of making this i mean People don't have fabric and beeswax just lying around. At least <laughs> I don't. So where does one get this stuff? You know, you sound pretty crafty. I mean, if you're making, what was it? You were making bread. You were making kombucha. Kombucha. How are you? <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> Is that a, that's a that's a whole different episode. Whole different business. So yeah, how do you make how do you make a a, a beeswax wrap? Is that what it is? Okay. A wrap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> It's super simple in um, in concept. So all you need is 100% cotton fabric. I have found quilting cotton weight is the best. Um, I try to go organic cotton because organic cotton is far less harmful for the environment as well. And then you grab some beeswax from your local farmer or even just a, like an all beeswax candle. You could shred beeswax off of that. That's what we did at the very beginning. Um, and then we added tree resin. So tree resin is kind of like uh, the sap of a tree. So I started with pine tree resin. And if you've ever touched a Christmas tree when it's fresh cut, you know that is seriously sticky. <laughs> so 
I found that was a really good start for trying to make them stick uh, to bowls like plastic wrap. And then we added in jojoba oil, which is a, it's a nut actually. It's a plant-based oil and it's a food grade. It's used in a lot of natural beauty products as well. Right. Um, and what it does is it softens it. So if you just used cotton fabric and beeswax, you would find it would be very uh, brittle. It wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't want to mold and shape. So the jojoba oil really softens it. And then the tree resin adds that tackiness. I've personally moved away from pine resin because it's quite aggressively sticky. I found a different tree that I prefer. Um, it's not from here, but I, I really like that it's used also in a lot of natural products, beauty products. Um, so it's from the Daymar group of trees. Um, not that that matters too far, but that's the the resin that I choose to use. And how long does it take to make one of these wraps? Oh, man, I really struggle to answer this question. It comes up from time to time. Um, but because I do them in batches, it's it's tough to say because it takes time to purchase. Like, I love selecting the patterns. One of the things that um, I like is the fabric shopping. There's so many lovely things that go together. So you got to shop for your fabric. You got to cut your fabric. Then you have to melt down. It takes me about five hours to melt down a whole vat worth of uh, of my recipe. And then you have to apply that to the fabric. The actual application process, not very long. But it's all of that other stuff that takes quite a bit of time. Do you cut the fabric first and then apply it? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And are you applying it with um, like paint brushes? Is that kind of the gist? Or like a, a paint roller? Like how is it going on? Are you dipping it? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't dip it. I tried that. Um, what happens is when you dip it in, once you pull it out, the wax pools down at the very bottom of the fabric. So it would it's not as consistent. So I found... I lay the fabric down on a heat source and then I spoon the wax onto the fabric and I spread it around with a paintbrush. So this is all fairly involved. I mean, clearly you're somebody right. with, with just endless amounts of time on your hand. I mean, <laughs> you're so funny. To concoct this and, and to be, what, aren't you, uh, you're homeschooling. How many kids do you have? I have three children. So you have three kids. And then you thought, you know what I'm going to do is make my own saran wrap alternative. Oh my gosh. No, it's funny because I actually didn't want to do, I had no intentions of starting a business. Um, I was at the time taking like the one thing for myself was a pottery class. So it was one night a week. I was going to do pottery. I was loving it so much. I got a wheel for at home. Don't worry. This is connected. I promise. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought I was making so much. I thought I would go to our local store and see if they would sell my pottery there. They were lovely, liked my stuff, and gave me far too much shelf space. So I thought, oh my goodness, what else do I make that I can put on these shelves? And, you know, I did a little bit of knitting. Like, I'd, I don't know, I'd make the headbands for the kids for winter or like nothing fancy. But, uh, and then these beeswax wraps. And that's the thing that ended up really taking off. And then I had another health food store inquire just about the beeswax wraps. And so then I thought, well, that was fun. I should approach another store. <laughs> and I just kind of worked up my own bravery and they wanted the beeswax wraps and not the other stuff. And uh, so we just started making more and asking more people. And then I thought I'd go into a market, maybe like a say Norbert farmer's market sort of thing. And it, it just is the right time. I, I felt like it was the right place, right time product. 
because it was right during the moment when Trudeau was announcing we're going to be plastic free by 2021. I mean, we have other priorities now, but <laughs> that was the priority at that time. So yeah, it felt like it just came up so organically, really. I wasn't looking for another job. I'm kind of curious, like because everybody's doing so much more cooking at home during mm. COVID times, um, are you finding a big uptick in adoption of, of these beeswax alternatives to things like saran wrap? I and mean, people have a lot of leftovers because they're doing a lot of cooking. I think it's twofold, really. Um, it's it's a lot more cooking from home, which is wonderful for health benefits. I encourage that. And also it keeps you from going to the store as often, which a lot of people are trying to avoid right now because you don't have to replenish your saran wrap stock as often. And it's keeping your produce fresh longer. So you're also not having to go quite as often. So I have noticed an increase in purchasing on because of those elements. A little bit less because of accessibility. Like there's not markets. People aren't going out of the house to shop in general as much. But those that are mindful of their plastic use already... Um, yeah, they're like, okay, I was thinking about it, but now is definitely the time to purchase because of those reasons. When you started off, who taught you how to make the initial piece? Did you just go online and start looking around? How did you figure it out? Yeah, I basically just looked it up online. Like the ones that I had, had an ingredient list on them already. It doesn't tell you how much. So I did look up online a few recipes and they were okay. And then I just made adjustments from there. So each time we'd make new ones, I would adjust the recipe and write it down. And then we just got one that we were really happy with and have stuck with that recipe. And yeah, just trial and error, basically. And so just wearing my marketing hat for a second and my advertising hat, mm -hmm. what makes your beeswax wraps different than someone else's? Because there are others on the market. Certainly. What, what's actually sort of makes yours stand out? Is it the recipe? Is it the design? It's a little bit of both. Um, so the biggest one, like the biggest company on the market is also a Canadian product, which is awesome. Um, what makes mine different is the fabric itself is uh, really fun prints. They're colorful. Um, a lot of people really enjoy that they're fanciful that way and they can really choose one that suits their personality. And uh, I get a lot of feedback that people appreciate that part of it. Right. There's a little fashion to the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. You can kind of personalize it, right? Like if you, if you really like bicycles, we have those. If you like, you know, for the kids, for their lunches, if they like uh, wildlife, let's say there are patterns like that. It's, it's like having a present in your fridge. It's quite lovely actually. So there's that bit. And then there's also the, the recipe bit. I, I'm really proud of the recipe that we've been able to create. Other companies do other ingredients, like how I moved away from pine resin, for example, for various reasons. I feel like mine's pretty reliable. How long do these things last? Um, we're getting about a year, year and a half out of ours on average. So that's certainly better than one-time use of a plastic bag or of a piece of saran wrap. There's no question. I would say. Even saran wrap, I, I hear people say sometimes you take it right out of the box and it doesn't work, doesn't stick, or it crumples up in the wrong way and it goes right from the box into the trash, which is just not sustainable. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll admit it. I am a saran wrap user. <laughs> Roby and I use saran. That's okay. We, we spoke about where you got this idea. I mean, you, you had certain thoughts about being environmentally conscious and, and, and as well to obviously you want to teach your kids to conserve and to be aware of their environment as well. But what led you to pursue this professionally? What made you think, oh, you know, I could make a run at this? 
I'd never thought it would get to the point that it is at already. Certainly when we started, you like for me, it was just take one step and see where that leads and just being really holding it openly and just seeing where it goes and uh, being brave with making the request. I find a lot of time entrepreneurs are not, uh, they're not brave. Like, so if I'm, if I'm in a bunch of stores, it's because I've gone to the stores and I've just put myself out there and I've said, would you like to sell this product in your store? This is why it is wonderful. This is the benefits. Was that the biggest issue that you had? Was fear initially the biggest issue that you ran into? Probably. Yeah. Confidence and fear and self-worth, I think all play a role. Anytime you're stepping into a new arena, like I've been staying at home homeschooling my kids for quite a number of years. You know, there's that whole inner narrative of who am I to be going out there and putting myself out there like this. But then if you really think about it, who am I not to? And uh, just showing up for your life in a way that you can be happy with, this business has allowed me to grow as a person in such an important way and and move from that who am i into that who am i not to and that's been that's been the gift of the business for me actually so what are you hoping to achieve is there an end goal is there uh, is there a pinnacle you're trying to reach for me there isn't um it's just to continue to take one step after another and i love the idea of putting something out into the world that i can stand behind with my values i think it's important that we take responsibility for our planet. And I think it's important that we not uh, just have a disposable culture. So for me, it's lovely to have it out there and to have it out in a way where people can get it in their communities, at their local stores and not have to follow me around to markets. Markets are wonderful for me. I love connecting with people. But if you want beeswax wraps, you shouldn't have to follow me around necessarily. So I guess it's just to make it more accessible for people to make a shift if that's in line with their values. There seems to be a philosophical component to all of this. Mm. It seems as though uh, the act of actually having started was already a success and the act of actually selling these, be they one at a time, one store after another, or direct to people, these are already successes along the way. Mm-hmm. You all, you're always hearing about business owners having to think two years ahead, five years ahead. You know, are you going to sell it? Are you going to build it up to a certain point and, and, and get investors and, 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 you know, try to expand distribution? And yet for you, it's actually working the opposite way, going with the flow a little bit, being happy with the, with the successes along the way. How did you arrive at this type of philosophy? I love, I love that you see it that way. I genuinely love living in this space of going with the flow, um, not holding on tightly to expectations or needs. And what I mean by that is whether it's the business or a personal venture, if I hold on to the wanting and the needing of something, I'm focusing on the lack And what ends up happening, I find, is the universe then responds with lack. And when I open up and I just hold openly, you know what, I'm just going to keep following this path as long as it makes sense. And I'm going to try to be obedient with my resources and my time. And um, also do, I also try to do a really good job business sense wise. I'm not super flowy that I don't acknowledge there are margins and there are costs and things to consider for the future. Um, I'm just not holding on to it so tightly that I will be in a position of disappointment if it doesn't 
A, B, and C. And I know that that is a very privileged position to be in. I have a husband that has a full-time job who has supported us all these years. So I have the freedom to hold it in that way. Um, and I really try to maintain that because it allows me to uh, really enjoy my business a lot more fully. Well, explain to me what your business does wind up looking like then. Like how how is it organized? My husband is a business owner and he's been really helpful in the initial steps with helping me be brave enough to go ahead, register for a business name, make it official. I've also incorporated it and that helps um, structure some of the finances of the business a little bit more solidly. Um, as it has grown, I have not been afraid to ask for help where I need it. So I've hired people to come and help me do the processing. Um, if I need help with technology, as you noticed, as we were trying to set up this interview, that's not my strong suit. Then I get people who are good at what they do so that I can be good at what I do. And then I go for, um, it helps me with figuring out pricing. I find a lot of makers like, what should I charge for this item? Do you think my question is, well, how much did it cost you to make and how much time did you put into it? Those are costs you need to recuperate, you know? So I understand how business works to a degree, and I try to be very mindful of that in a linear, logical business mindset while also holding on to the creative, being really present side. I, what would you say is sort of your biggest challenge that you've run into? Is there an area you're particularly weak and that you've been able to overcome that weakness by, by bringing someone else on board or by trying different things? Mm -hmm. I think the the first big thing was the first time I hired someone to make the product <laughs> because it feels like giving something away like a secret. Um, but it, it really wasn't, it was very life giving to have someone help so that it freed up my time to be able to go and ask another store if they would hold my product. So you're more involved in the sales at this point than in the day-to-day -day, uh, making of the pieces. Right. Yeah. It's a lot more business management for me, managing managing people, managing stores, managing inventory and costs um, than it was in the beginning. And I love that it frees me up to, I don't have to stress so much about uh, production. Like for example, right now I have um, a lovely lady making some of my wraps while I'm talking to you mm -hmm. so that I can still prepare for the third and bird show that's coming up in October. Uh, so it, it just frees me up to do more exciting things with my business, like being on your podcast. Well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> what sort of things do you do to market yourself? I mean, it's one thing to go into mm -hmm. store after store after store um, and ask them for shelf space and if they're interested in, in carrying your products. But there's a limit to how many places you can actually hit up. And, and obviously, there's a lot of customers further away than you can go in the local stores. So what are you doing right. to get the word out? I think that's the next frontier for me now that I've um, hired out, you know, certain parts of the business or asked for support on certain things. Um, it frees my time up um, this winter. I really want to focus a lot more on website and, uh, oh man, Instagram and Facebook. I, it's not, it's not my forte, but I feel it's like a necessary evil, uh, for me. It, it's a challenge to be authentic and also be promoting yourself and your business. Anyway, that's how I find it. 
Um, but it is helpful. People tell me all the time, I saw your stuff on Facebook and now I'm here because you posted this thing. So thanks for doing that. Right. I mean, I, I think that authenticity online is incredibly difficult for a lot of people. And as well, the idea that, you know, people don't always want to feel like they're talking about themselves. And yet, right. if you don't do it, unfortunately, in most cases, no one else will. That's it. That's it. Totally. So what have you found that's really worked for you? I, I've seen you posting. You have a following. What are you talking to people about? And what are they asking you about online? Mostly I'm focusing on Facebook and Instagram seem to be a good access point for getting the word out there and, and telling people about the website as well as the stores that we're in. We're talking a lot about just being environmentally friendly, what's going on in the world. Like with COVID, for example, there's so much more has shifted to disposable stuff, which is so disappointing for me personally to see. I understand it, but you know, just talking about our impact. Everything we do has an impact. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of thought around what does one person do? It doesn't matter, but each person does matter, and even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it. So it's just talking around that, just bringing it to the consciousness. Like sometimes people don't know there's another option for something like plastic wrap. Um, and beyond that, there's other companies that I also talk about that are also doing amazing things, trying to help us move toward more sustainable living. Have you ever explored a possibility of, of partnering with some of these other like-minded uh, companies and seeing if there may be a, a way to kind of cross-pollinate and cross-sell and, uh, and find different customers that way? Totally. Um, we've been a part of a few subscription boxes where they uh, group our products together. Um, we've done various promotions for different groups to create awareness and, uh, and continue to do that. I don't, I don't feel particularly pushy on that stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a, more of a provider, less of a profit, I think, <laughs> as far as my product goes. Explain that to me. What do you mean by that? Um, I think it's easy sometimes when a person is really passionate about something to, put it in front of other people in an unhelpful way. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen, oh, you're not from Winnipeg. If you've ever seen, sometimes people stand on this on the street with a sign about their faith values, like really in your face about it. Mm -hmm. That's one way to promote your thoughts and feelings <laughs> about something. Um, or, you know, a, a sign, a person twirling a pizza sign, like come to our store. There's places for that. It's just not my personal preferred way. But if, if people are looking for something, that's why I like to align with places like health food stores. If you're going there, you're already in the mindset to live more local, more sustainable, more healthy. This product in a store like that, it takes a little bit less flashing lights. I'm still working on my side. I think there still is a place for promoting yourself. Um, that is a place I struggle. So <laughs> maybe I'll have to get someone on my team for that too. I don't know. What does a typical day look like for you? A typical day right now, I still have one one student at home. So we do kind of, I, I wake up early, go to the gym, I'll come home and I'll have my journaling, meditation, yoga time. Then we start school. We do that till about lunchtime. And then from there, I'll have a couple hours of work, uh, like emails, phone calls, emailing stores, invoicing, that kind of thing. And then in the afternoon, it could be anything from, uh, you know, going to play volleyball, paddle on the river, hanging out with my son, 
to going to the city, doing deliveries, um, doing a podcast. You know, it could look like anything, really. In addition to being environmentally conscious, it seems like you're very interested in maintaining a, a healthy balance between your work and your personal life. Why is that such a such a major factor in what you're doing and how you're doing it? That is so important to me. Holistic, wholehearted living is so important to me. I find enormous value in that. That's a big reason why we started homeschooling. You know, in part, it was because there's so much additional wasted, well, not wasted, but <laughs> maybe wasted isn't the right word. Teachers everywhere just cringed at that, I think. But <laughs> there's just a lot of extra time that if I homeschool them, we can do the academic work. And then we have a lot more time to just be present in nature and not, um, it's really easy to be busy. I think I have found the, the methodology or the, the belief that busy is so important. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. It's, it's not for me. That's not a good thing to be too busy to show up for your life. I find a lot of value in being really present. So I'm really cautious as to however many activities we do just to be able to enjoy this moment um, because that's that's really the only moment you get. <laughs> I want the business to be successful. I just don't want to be drowned by my business and then come up five years from now and think, what was that? Where have I been? What am I doing? I just want to be intentional all the way through and maintain the friendships and intimate relationships I have with people all along the way while also growing a business. But I want it to be in its proper place. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners are pushing headlong into uh, really heavy uh, online and automation and, and things where they can separate themselves from the day-to-day, -day, from the uh, from the mundane and from the repetitive tasks. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've explored? Is, is, is full-on automation, would, it, would that be something beneficial and playing in line well with your notions of balanced life? I don't know if full-on automation is uh, necessary for, for the size of my business. I would certainly be open to it um, as the business grows. I know other entrepreneurs have hired out uh, distributors, you know, that eliminates your need to drive. I live about an hour from the city hub and uh, that eliminates that need to drive there and make deliveries every day. You know, I get that. Um, for me at the moment, I feel like I've hired out enough of the things that either are not within my own skill set that it would take me so like twice as long as it would take someone who's good at that particular thing to do um, so that it frees up my mind and my time to be, you know, be able to spend time with the people I'm with, whether that's my my family or people at a market. I like interacting, not just selling them stuff, but checking in on, you know, what's what's your belief behind why you're buying this? I find that fascinating. So I'll automate up to a point, I think. Are you exploring new products, different things um, that you're going to be bringing to market in the next while? Ah, good question. And the answer is yes, I am exploring new things because that's the fun, creative part of what I'm doing. So I, I do the wraps and then I've, I've started making them into bags too. So I sew them first and then wax them. And then you can use them like Ziploc bags. So that's one product. Um, I also started, I waxed some canvas lunch sacks as well. I'd make do-it-yourself kits so people can have my whole recipe, you know, melted down into little blocks. They can make their own wraps. 
Um, and then I started, uh, it, I started playing a little bit with making reusable paper towel. And again, this is mostly just for my own use, but I thought I could make a few more and see if that would be interesting to other people as well. Right. Like more like a cloth, like a, like, like something to wipe up around the house with. Yeah, basically it's like a flannel fabric and they, I just roll them up on the tube where I would normally put a paper towel. And I just use them like a cloth and then I throw it in the laundry and now I don't have disposable paper towel anymore. Actually, I'm, we're actually pretty good with that. I'm, I'm pleased to say we don't use oh, a nice. lot of paper towel. We use mostly uh, cloth rags and stuff. Yeah. So for me, it's like on the one hand, sometimes people say like, why would you make something like this that lasts so long? Don't you want your customers to keep coming back? <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that, but mostly I really want to be participating in this world in a way that I'm that's in line with my values, which is not to have disposable products. So no, I want them to last as long as possible, actually. <laughs> well, and that actually makes a lot of sense because, you know, you hear a lot about the disposable nature of clothing and the mm-hmm. issues that, uh, that that has brought about. And, and, and it's becoming pretty evident that, that how we make our clothes and uh, how we go through our clothes is actually an enormous problem. So the idea of a longer lasting product is really of interest to a lot of people. Yeah. And again, because I can can hold it loosely, I don't have to eke every penny out of this business and capitalize on people's lives. I really want to be providing something that adds value. So I'm happy if it lasts longer for you, actually. Fantastic. (laughs) So what kind of advice might you give to somebody who wants to get into the, be it the beeswax game or for that matter, the, you know, the environmentally conscious product Mm. game? Really to anyone starting out their own business, I would say, hmm, I'd say a couple things like be brave for one, just be brave and ask, put yourself out there and try. What's the worst that someone can say is no. And you're already there if you don't try. So go try. I think the other thing I would say is know your costs, know how much things cost, Um, count your time. Lots of entrepreneurs forget that they should be valuing their time. If you were to be paid by the hour for this, what would you want? Add that into your price and charge that. Because sometimes people say, oh, well, I got this, uh, I got these supplies for free. So this is why I'm charging so little. And I think, well, you might not always get it for free, (laughs) you know, charge like you did pay for it because your product is, your time is valuable and it does cost something. Are there any really useful resources that you've come across that others might find handy and helpful as they start out? There's a lot, actually. There's books like um, Good to Great. There's books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, they're more personality or like how to do how to do life books rather than business books. And you find them helpful just getting started, staying motivated, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it, regardless of what it is you're doing, there's a, there's a phrase that says, how you do something is how you do everything. And that means if I go to every activity and I'm in a rush and I hurry and I just try to get everything I can out of it, I'm going to do that at home. I'm going to do that at work. I'm going to do that when I'm, when I'm hiking. I'm going to do that when I'm reading. If you can find a life balance where you, you can take an approach to of balance to each of these things. You'll do that here. You'll do that in your business. You'll do that in your home life. And that's why I recommend those kinds of books is because how you do one thing is how you do everything. So where can people find out a little more about you? I am at leahb.ca. 
And actually that's an acronym. So I have three kids, Leah, Emily, Aaron, and then B for the product. So a lot of people think my name is Leah. It's not, but uh, leahb.ca is my website. And then Facebook and Instagram are Leah B Raps. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing how you make a living. Thanks for the interview, Roby. It was wonderful to chat with you today. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com or follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Making a Living One. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.